You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be rating Arsenal's summer transfer window. There's a lot of divided opinion about this. Did Arsenal do the right business this summer? Is it enough business to see Arsenal push on and challenge for a top six place? We're going to be getting into it. We're going to be going through the deals individually, and then we're going to be, as I say, rating the window come the end of that. I'm going to be doing that, though, with you guys' help. Those of you who are watching us live, I'm going to be asking you to pop in ratings on particular signings, uh, and then we're going to try and form a, uh, a fair grade come the end of the podcast about how Arsenal did. Uh, also, just a quick uh, reminder, if you haven't done so already, please do subscribe to the channel. If you are a uh, audio listener, then we'd love you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really, really does help. And as I mentioned to you guys a couple of weeks ago, due to an issue where there was duplicate feeds of the Chronicles of Aguna, we got them put together by Apple. But unfortunately, we lost a load of our reviews on those duplicate feeds. So if you could help us boost that back up, that would be really, really great. Uh, hope everyone's well. Hope everybody's um, kind of uh, looking forward to a weekend with no Premier League football, a weekend in which we can't possibly be disappointed by anything uh, and a weekend uh, where you can kind of just chill out, relax, take some time with your friends and family because it has been a very, very difficult start to the season from an Arsenal perspective, hasn't it? It really bloody has. Um, just a quick reminder as well, before I dive right into it, uh, did a podcast yesterday with uh, former Arsenal goalkeeper Alex Manninger, and that one is dropping later on today. It'll be premiering live on the YouTube channel at 4.15pm, and of course, it will be available in uh, audio format uh, from uh, just after that as well. So you'll be able to uh, grab that, have a listen. Alex had some really interesting things to say about his time at Arsenal and to say about the current situation at the club now. I just want to start off when, when talking about the window, about how fed up and annoying it is and, you know, how fed up I am and how annoying it is and how frustrating it is to listen to the way pundits are talking about Arsenal Football Club at the moment. Look, the start to the season has been unacceptable. OK, we've lost games um, that we shouldn't have lost in the shape of the Brentford fixture. And then we got beaten by Chelsea, who we all thought were going to beat us before losing to Manchester City. Granted, the nature of some of those defeats has been incredibly frustrating and, you know, none of us are in a good place as Arsenal fans right now. We're all feeling it. We're all feeling the effects. But the way Arsenal are being spoken about right now is starting to irritate me. I mean, Tommy Yasu, for example, was linked with Spurs earlier in the window. And I remember watching Sky Sports at the time when they were doing what they always do on Sky Sports right now, which is making stuff up uh, or, or trying to make stories that we already know about seem like new stories, trying to make information that's already out there seem like new information in order to keep their viewership up. And I found it really frustrating to hear the way they talk about Arsenal and the in comparison to the way they talk about so many other teams. I can see some of you in, in the chat box um, already sort of uh, saying that I'm making excuses. I'm not. I'm talking about what's going on with Arsenal. I'm talking about the pundits. I'm talking about their reaction to things. Uh, and, and here we go from Maximus, who commented on another video, I think it was, or on the 90 min video um, about me, uh, about something. It's like, what did you say? Me making excuses is like me being obese, not being able to get any girls and then uh, not, and then wondering why when I don't want to do anything about losing. Mad comparison promise you've never had any issues uh, in that department so don't worry uh but but going back on track um you know i found it really frustrating to listen to the way they talk about arsenal in comparison to other sides i remember watching sky when tommy Asu was linked with tottenham and hearing what a good player he is how important his versatility was um how you know how he would be you know a really 
interesting prospect, how the price he's available for makes him someone that all the top clubs in Europe should be looking at, only to hear Carve Solical you know, talk about not knowing what his best position is, talk about how agents have been trying to tout him to every club in the Premier League yesterday. It just feels like with Arsenal, it, it sells, doesn't it? To be outraged, it sells to make a mountain out of a molehill. It sells to create a bigger crisis um, than what there actually is at the football club. And you're seeing that. And it, it's really disappointing and really frustrating. And I actually turned off Sky's coverage yesterday um, when I heard that because it was... It was so ridiculous. It's unbelievable. I mean, they're sitting there going, you know, a source has texted me. Who has texted you? Your mate from down the pub who's watched Bologna play once in the last decade. It's madness. You know, these people, um, uh, you know, they're, they're driving me mad. And I, and I hate the way that Arsenal are always portrayed in the media. It, it really frustrates me. Um, yes, you know, we should call things out when they're wrong. Yes, we should discuss the the shortcomings and we should talk about how we can fix them. And, you know, I'm a big believer that there's no point in moaning about problems if you don't bring solutions to the table. So that's why we like having the debates. We like having the discussions. But my God, some of these media companies, they've obviously clocked on that we've got a largely volatile fan base of people who do overreact and who will respond. They realise what a huge football club we are uh, in terms of our following, and they look to cash in on that. Every time an Arsenal-related story comes up, they dig the knife in, they go way too far, and they cross limits that they would never cross when they're talking about Liverpool, when they're talking about Manchester United, when they're talking about Chelsea. So, um, yeah. It is uh, it is really frustrating. Uh, right. Let's um, let's get into what we're actually here to talk about. And that is about Arsenal's transfer window. Now, I was going to sit down this morning and write out all the transfers and then write a couple of bullet points um, next to it. I was thinking about making a graphic to show you guys uh, on the screen. But thankfully, Arsenal have done that for me. Arsenal put a post on their website uh, a little bit earlier on, uh, which lists all of the deals and it makes my job a lot easier here. So let's kick off uh, by looking at the incomings. We'll look at some of the outgoings as well, because that is important. And when determining how successful the transfer window or unsuccessful the transfer window was, it's important for me, uh, I think, to look at both sides of it. So let's kick off with the signings coming in. Nuno Tavares signed from Benfica on July 10th. Now, I think Going into the summer, there were a number of positions that we all recognised needed strengthening. Left back was certainly one of them. Left back was a position in which we were made to suffer at the back end of last season as a result of Kieran Tierney's injuries. We know that Kieran Tierney has form for it. We know he has previous when it comes to injuries. And that's not to dig out um, Kieran Tierney. You know, I'm not having a go at him. I don't want it to sound as though... You know, I'm, I'm picking on him. I think he's a great player when fit. I just always worry that he's not fit often enough. And so for me, bringing in a left back was imperative. Now, Arsenal were in a bit of a difficult space here when it comes to the left back signing, because what do you do? You don't want to go and break the bank necessarily on a left back when you know that Kieran Tierney, every time he's available, is going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. But equally, you don't want to sign someone who's at the back end of his career. Arsenal have done this time and time again. We did it last summer. We've done it in seasons gone by. We've signed players who have been over the hill, who have been, uh, you know, coming to the club essentially for big, you know, big salaries and, you know, were never really as impactful as we'd have hoped. So I think Arsenal actually made the right decision in going for someone like Nuno Tavares, who maybe isn't ready just yet to play in the Premier League week in, week out, but certainly has all the raw talent and the ability to get to that point. Uh, so Nuno Tavares uh, coming in, I think, was a pretty smart sign-in. Again, it's not the one, the kind of signing that gets you off your feet. Um, you know, as I said, he is very much a second fiddle. But I think Nuno Tavares coming in was a decent bit of business, given the money that we paid for him as well. So I am going to go for... And I'm going to rate each signing out of 10. I'm going to rate this one as a 6 out of 10. I can't give it any more than that because I've not seen enough yet from Tavares to say that he's going to go on and really establish himself in the first team moving forward. But I do think for the money, it was smart. And I do think that when you look at what he's got, um, 
in terms of his raw talents, his his pace, his physicality, his strength, his engine, I think he he brings a lot to the side. So I'm going to go with a six. Now, get your ratings in and I'll, I'll read out some of those and we'll go through them and we'll try and work out what the kind of average is. But yeah, for me, it's a six out of 10. Uh, Henrik is a little bit more positive about it. He says he's the perfect backup player. And with the money that we spent, uh, he's an eight out of 10. Um, Akshat says that Tavares is raw, should be a coach's dream to work on. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Michelle says six only, Harry. It is a clear four out of 10. I don't think it's a four out of 10. How can you say it's a four out of 10? You have hardly seen him play. How can you make that judgment? We paid very little money for him and he's a, and he's, you know, a player with a lot of raw talent. Uh, Daniel Da Costa, six means average. Agreed. Uh, six says junior gunner, decent squad player. So we're looking around about the five, six mark. There's a few of you in the chat that rate it higher. And there are a few of you, uh, inevitably that, that um that put it lower so you know i think six is probably about the medium john daly's gone with an eight he says eight out of ten for me he's also a different kind of left back good point um black and blanco's gone six decent price and decent potential uh the armchair guna has gone with a seven and a half uh marco williams has gone a solid five um i don't know if he's talking about as the whole the transfer window or with terraris but those are some of your ratings. So I'm um, I'm pleased that we got a left back in. Um, I didn't think Sergei Kalasinac would be still at the club, which made it even more important for me that we did get a left back in. Um, he's at the club as it stands. Remember, the transfer window in Turkey, though, is still open. And we know that Fenerbahce have an interest in the player. So we could still see Sergei Kalasinac leaving the club. Um, but yeah, Nuno Tavares, I've gone with a six. And as you can see from the live chat, there's a variety of ratings ranging from four, in Machine's case, up to eight as well. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Sambi Lakonga. Now, I think Sambi Lakonga has been one of the few bright sparks in Arsenal's early season. You've got to say, I think he looks calm. He looks composed. I think he, he loves to break the lines with his passing. I talked a lot about him in the lead up to us signing him, and I was very, very keen to see how he would do at the club. Um, I think he's got incredible potential. I think he will go on and be a very, very good player. Um, the money, you know, 20 million pounds around about that mark is not cheap, uh, but it's not massive this day and age. And I think it was worth the gamble. I think he's looked a little bit uh, short physically in the Premier League since his arrival. I know he's played in games where we've not been very good and you have to put that into consideration as well. But I think he's one of the positives, as I say. So I'm going to give this one a 7 out of 10. And I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 because I think that he has an incredibly high ceiling, but has also proven that he could probably play quite a bit this season, although he was brought in as, as a player with a view to coming in later on, I think he's done really well. Uh, I think the, the ceiling is very, very high and uh, I, I like the look of Lokonga. So I'm going to go with um, with a seven on that one. Let's see what uh, you guys are going with. Said Abdullah says seven. I'm very excited to see him develop more. Uh, the armchair Guna says Sambi's probably likely to be the gem of this window composed for a young player. Great passer. And when he fills out with age, he will boss it. Uh, Mint says very impressed with Laconga, eight out of 10. Blank and Blanco says looks like a seven. If he takes Xhaka out the side, it's a 10. Uh, Ole says uh, Sambi seven. He's impressed so far. Machine also thinks he's better than Granite Xhaka. We've got nines. Uh, we've got sevens. Um, Johan says he's a solid seven. He's hit the ground running and looks a good prospect. Uh, Omar with a seven, two. So lots of sevens, eights, a few sixes in there as well. So I think the majority of people agree that Sambi Lakonga could be one of the brightest uh, of Arsenal's summer signings. We move on. Uh, let's talk about Ben White. Now, I like the signing of Ben White. I think that for me, he looked poor against Brentford. I thought that a lot of that was down to Arsenal's setup. I talked about it on the tactical analysis show the next day. Um, I felt as though he was left exposed. I felt as though Pablo Marie was exposed as well. I felt that Arsenal were wrong to set up in the way they did, given that Brentford were going to play with two centre forwards. So that was a big, big issue for me. I think aerially he could be better, but I think that kind of that will even itself out a little bit or be at least less visible or less of an issue when Gabriel comes back into the side because he's incredibly dominant aerially. So for me, I think that 
He needs to have the right partner alongside him. I think he's a good fit for the way we want to play in terms of bringing the ball out from the back. I think um, when you look at what we lost in David Luiz in terms of his actual technical attributes, I think Ben White is a good replacement. I don't think he replaces the leadership we lost and I don't think he replaces the experience, clearly. But I think this is another one, again, with a view to the future. And I'm going to give Ben White a... I'm going to give it a six. And the reason I'm going to give it a six and not a seven like Sambi Lekonga is not because I don't think that Ben White's got the potential, but because of the price tag. I felt like the price tag was a little bit excessive. I know that Arsenal uh, needed to pay that to get him out of Brighton and Hove Albion. And sometimes if you want a player, you've just got to do that. That's just the way it is. Uh, but it does feel a little bit excessive to me. And I would argue that you could have gone, gone and got a centre-back that would have a bigger impact on the team instantly with 50 million pounds. So yes, it's one for the future. Yes, Arsenal are looking, you know, to build for years to come, but I just feel like the price was a little bit OTT. And while it might be a good one for the future at this moment in time, today on the 1st of September, 2021, I can't say that it's any more uh, than a six out of 10. That's my view. Uh, some of you in the chat going around the seven, seven and a half mark on that one. I'm not going to read them all out individually because it's there's too many entries coming in. Uh, Junior Gunn has gone with a four, he says, because we overspent by at least 20 million. I definitely think we overspent slightly on Ben White. But, you know, hopefully we're not talking about that in a couple of years time when he's uh, when he's at the top of his game. Uh, Johan has gone with a five out of ten. He says he lacks aerially. And there are question marks over his strength as he was bullied by Brentford. A couple of others going with a four as well. So lots of people uh, not really that optimistic about this one. Uh, not as optimistic as me, although I'm not at the top of the optimism scale, i got to say, uh, with this one. Moving on, let's talk about Martin Odegaard. I think this is a good signing. I think for, for £30 million or around about that mark, I think this was an absolute steal. I think Martin Odegaard came to the club at the back end of last season and showed glimpses of what a good player he can be. I think we really do lack technical security in our midfield. I'm not saying he's going to play there every week, but I think Mikel Arteta's idea of, of dropping him a little bit deeper like he did against Man City could be something that you see again in the season. And again, you know, I'm not saying it's the right move. I'm not saying it's the right call. Time will tell. But I wouldn't be surprised if Martin Odegaard is given those slightly different roles in certain games to get that little bit deeper, to get on the ball. And as I say, give us that technical security and ball progression from a deeper area. I think for me, you know, He's a player that has clear talent. And as someone mentioned in the chat, he's a player who just needs somewhere to call home. Uh, I think that's a really good point. I think at £30 million, when you think about some of the other deals that have been done in the Premier League and you think about uh, some of the money we've spent on players previously, I don't think £30 million is excessive uh, for him. Remember, you're trying to prize him away from Real Madrid, who had a bid rejected yesterday of over €200 million. Euros, um, in their pursuit of Kylian Mbappe. So it's clear that Real Madrid, is, is, although people were painting this picture of them as being completely skinned, completely broke and on their knees financially, that wasn't actually the case, was it? Because they're still uh, doing business. Well, up until the window closed, they were still doing business and trying to do even bigger business. So I think this one, Odegaard, I'm going to give it a seven as well. I said to you guys at the beginning uh, of the transfer window that I felt that Arsenal would make a move for Martin Odegaard as long as there was a possibility of that happening. They had to wait a little bit longer than maybe they'd have liked, but they got the deal done in the end. And I think he adds to this squad. Uh, so yeah, I'm a fan of that one. So I'll go with a seven on Martin Odegaard. Again, I know a lot of you um, don't agree with that. Uh, some of you, of you say he's not good enough. Inter says, uh, go call Getafe home. He's not good enough. Incredibly harsh. Uh, comment there, but that's how people are feeling. Uh, moving on to Aaron Ramsdale, again, similarly to the Ben White signing, I think it was a decent signing. I can understand why we made it, but I do feel like we overpaid. Because we overpaid and because of the fact we've spent such a big amount of money on Aaron Ramsdale for him to essentially be the second choice goalkeeper at the moment, it feels like we could have used those funds better. I genuinely do believe that. Um, that's not to say I'm not going to back him, that I'm not going to support him. But this one, I'm going to give it a four out of 10 just because 
I can't understand why you would spend that amount of money on a goalkeeper who isn't going to play right away. I know he's got plenty of years ahead of him. I know he's got plenty of time, but I just feel like we could have upgraded one more position or and and brought someone in as a stopgap in the goalkeeping position and looked at that later on. Or we could have, um, you know, we could have added on top of uh, some of the fees that we've paid for other players in order to get players of an even higher standard. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a four on that one. It might sound a little bit harsh, but it's not necessarily because of Aaron Ramsdale. It's more so because of the context of it, because of the fact that we've paid that money for someone who isn't going to be in the 11, we don't think initially anyway. Uh, moving forward, uh, let's talk about Takahiro Tomiyasu, uh, a player who we signed for around about £16 million from Bologna. Now, what I want to say about this one is, Please, ask, uh, please, Arsenal fans, do not be fooled by what you're seeing in the media, by people talking on the TV and just trying to make clickbait headlines. People have talked about how Arsenal's window has been all over the place. Takahiro Tomiyasu is somebody that Arsenal have been looking at for a while. He's somebody that a lot of clubs have been looking at for a while. This wasn't an Arsenal woke up on deadline day and decided we're going to sign Takahiro Tomiyasu. All the ducks would have been in order prior to, uh, to deadline day. It's why they, you know, the Hector Bellerin thing got done. Arsenal were were looking at the wider picture. We knew that they were trying to move, um, you know, they were trying to move uh, Hector Bellerin on and they would have lined up Tomiyasu prior to that in the event that that Bellerin deal to Betis materialised. So you've got to say, um, you know, that, that that is a decent sign in it. A lot of people have compared him to Callum Chambers. I mean, come on. He's not Callum Chambers. That's a really simplistic way of looking at the player. And it's the kind of opinion that comes from people who haven't seen him play. And listen, I've seen him a few times. I'm not um, I'm not a massive expert on him, which is why I brought Lee Scott onto the show yesterday to give you that little bit more insight. But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of indicative of the way the Arsenal fan base is in general at the moment with people, you know, just looking for a fault looking for a criticism of someone that they have no knowledge about whatsoever. You know, you want to talk about Ben White because you've seen him play in the Premier League uh, last season. Fair enough. You know, I might not agree with your point of view, but you've got some basis to it. You want to talk about Martin Odegaard because he played the second half of the last season at Arsenal. Fair enough. You want to talk about Aaron Ramsdale because you've seen him in English football. Fine. But you want to talk about Tommy Asu when you probably haven't watched a Serie A game for the last 10 years. It drives me mad. Uh, so I think this is a decent signing. He's a lot better than Callum Chambers. He brings a lot more to the team. He's incredibly progressive in his passing. His ability to tuck inside um, is uh, is something that fits into Mikel Arteta's system uh, with that inverted right back or that right back that drops into the midfield. Um, you know, he, he can do that role. And I know people compare that to Callum Chambers, but it's not just about your positioning. It's about having the technical ability to execute what it is you need to do when you're in possession, to have the tactical awareness and the understanding of uh, knowing when to tuck in with the rest of the defence, when to step into the midfield. It's all of that. And Tommy Asu has shown himself to be very good at that. Also, his versatility is a positive too. Uh, so, yeah, that one, I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give that one a six out of 10 because it obviously is a bit of a gamble like any signing, but I think profile wise, he fits us perfectly. And so to kind of round up and finish up on where I'm at in terms of the incomings, what am I giving it as an overall grade? Now, I know that some of the ratings I've given for individual players are higher, but if I look at the window in general, in terms of the players that Arsenal have signed this summer, I'm going to go with a six out of 10. And the reason I'm going to go with a six out of the 10 is because I think that these are signings that have the potential to go on and, and be very good ones to improve us as a team. But what I cannot do is guarantee or say with any real confidence that this improves the team dramatically now. It improves the squad. It improves the depth of the squad. I think this the depth was an issue last season because of how many players we had missing for various reasons. Uh, we had a lot of players at the club, but not ones that were good enough. And I do feel we can backfill a lot of those positions, left back, centre midfield, uh, centre back, attacking midfield, a little bit better now with these players that have come in. But there's no guarantee that this window will see us 
push on to the level that we want. And that is a real concern. Six out of 10 um, feels fair to me because I think it's slightly above average when you look at it for the longer term, when you look at it with a view to the future. But the fact that it doesn't really change a lot today um, is... um, is a bit of a problem and a bit of a worry. And it's why I can't give it any higher than that. Now I've seen people say that Arsenal have applied this scattergun approach uh, over the course of the transfer window. And they've just gone and and looked for opportunities and whatever came their way, they took it. And that's absolutely not true. Um, The plan may prove to be the wrong plan. The plan may not see us uh, achieve our objectives next season, but the plan is there. The plan is visible. All of these players are players within a certain age bracket. All of these players are players with high ceilings. All of these players are players with a view to Arsenal building a team for the future. As I keep saying, my big reservation is, does that do enough for us in the here and now? Maybe not. uh, And that remains to be seen. But let's be honest. um, You know, You can see there's a plan. And after years and years and years of saying that Arsenal don't have a plan, that we sign pensioners, that we sign players who are in the twilights of their careers, who simply come here for the paycheck. How can we now, when we see them completely flip that transfer policy into something more like what we all feel is the right way to go? Something that that will allow us to hopefully, if these players do develop in the way they're expected to, close the gap on the bigger sides without spending the money that they spend because we simply can't do that. I think it's the right way to go um, in terms of looking for the the longer term. Unfortunately, the problem is that you don't know for sure that these signings are going to come off and you don't know for sure that they're going to fulfill that potential. So it's a massive risk as well. Uh, But I think something needed to change. I think if we had gone and bought someone in or a group of players in, in the twilight of their careers. I think people will be complaining about that as well. I just feel like Arsenal can't win at the moment. People talk about how much we've spent in the transfer window. You know, I've seen some ridiculous reports. Arsenal have spent more than Manchester United. Arsenal have spent more than Chelsea. Chelsea have spent that money on like one or two players. We've spent that money on six players. You know, people need to look at the context of it. People need to understand the circumstances around it. As I say, it isn't a window that's got me excited. When I was asked to describe it yesterday, I called it a little bit underwhelming. But I understand why they've gone down this route. And as I keep saying, only time will tell if it is the right route. You can't make that call now. You can't possibly make that judgment now, not with any confidence, not with any um you know, if you are saying that, you're not doing it from an educated position. You are guessing uh, that these signings ain't going to work out. And you are guessing uh, that we could have gone and got other players. And, and you know, you're kind of, I think, getting your knickers in a twist about something that, that didn't happen. Um, you know, so that's uh, that's where we are. That's my view on it. People in the chat disagree. Uh, some of you telling me, uh, Andreas says that Harry tried being honest and say zero out of 10. It isn't a zero out of 10 though, is it? Because if you think back to what cost us badly last season, okay, and, and this is where I'm coming from. We, we failed in the Europa League at the end because we didn't have a left back, because we pissed around with the team. We didn't have Kieran Tierney. We'd sent our only other left back out on loan. We had to drop Granit Xhaka in there, which not only is an awful thing to do in terms of how he would cope with that, but also it weakened our midfield because we didn't have players that were capable of coming in and filling in the void left by him. So lack of depth was a big problem. Leaving ourselves short in key areas was a big problem. Nuno Tavares has come in a left back who you can't possibly make a judgment on this quick in the season because you've not seen him play. So, you know, that's why you can't rule out that one. Sambi Laconga comes in. For me, I think he's a little bit similar to Thomas Partey in his playing style. And I think that's why Arsenal have got him in. You know, in the future, maybe he'll be the new Thomas Partey. Maybe he'll take over from him. But having him in the midfield when Thomas Partey is absent is better than having Danny Ceballos or Mohamed Elneny in the midfield. When you look at Ben White, we needed a new centre-back. 
We went out and bought a centre-back that, similarly to David Luiz, who was very good last season, for the most part, you have to say, can progress the ball, has a lot of the same attributes. Martin Odegaard was a player who did well in his loan spell at Arsenal and brings a guy and a creativity that this team simply doesn't have without him. Aaron Ramsdale comes in as a goalkeeper. We had to play cup ties last season with Renarsen in goal. How is Ramsdale not an upgrade there? And Tommy Yasu comes in and he's definitely 100% an upgrade on Callum Chambers and Cedric Suarez, who are our current right-back options, with Bellerin obviously heading out. So that's my kind of reasoning behind it. Um, and people can disagree. It's absolutely fine. I've got no issue with that. Um, you know, but that's that's my view. That's my opinion. Inter says Odegaard had one assist in 14 games. I mean, come on. Are we going to be that simplistic in the way we, we judge players? Are you only creative if you play the pass before the goal? Or are you creative if you play the pass before that pass? Are you creative if you create a situation by playing a ball in between the lines that splits a defence that then goes on to materialise into a goal? Are you not creative if you pick up the ball in a deep area, uh, turn out of a, a corner and manage to get uh, the ball out to the other side of the pitch where your team has an overload. All of that is creativity. It's not just about the assists that, I mean, come on. Some of you that are, are having a go at me about Mo Martin Odegaard's assists are the same people that were telling me that we should get rid of Mesa Ozil because other than his assist stats, he doesn't do anything else or that we should stop hiding behind those assist stats. So, uh, assist stats, sorry. So come on, let's, let's be consistent at the very least. Right, that's uh, that's the uh, the incoming. So as I say, I've rated that as a six out of ten window. I understand what it is that we're looking to achieve over the next few years, but of course there is no guarantee of that uh, materialising into the team improving instantly and the team improving ever. So there is a risk to it. There is a lot of money that's been spent, and that's why I can't give it any more uh, than that. Moving on to the players that have gone out, and this was just as important, wasn't it? Uh, in terms of uh, Arsenal's business this summer. And we've moved a lot of players on. Uh, Danny Ceballos obviously uh, returned uh, to Real Madrid on loan. Um, Matt Ryan returned to Brighton on loan. He's since joined Real Sociedad. Uh, David Luiz left the club with his contract expiring. Gostandinos Mavrobanos has rejoined Stuttgart in Germany. He will... Um, he will go there. He is there on loan, but there is an obligation to buy uh, in that contract. So it's technically an option to buy, but it's an option to buy that turns into an obligation if certain triggers are met. And from what I understand, we reported it at the time of the deal going through. Those triggers are very low and those triggers will certainly be met uh, for that deal to become permanent. Matteo Genduzzi's joined Marseille in a very similarly structured deal option to buy, but it does have those triggers in that will turn it uh, into uh, a permanent deal. So Matteo Ganduzzi uh, is more than likely going to end up joining Marseille on a permanent deal. Uh, William Saliba's also gone there. A lot of division around this one, a lot of uh, uproar about this one. I don't really know uh, what to make of this because I don't really know what went on behind the scenes. Um you know, for me, that's that's where I'm at with this one. I think if he goes there and has a good season, great, bring him back, have a look at him there. I just worry that the damage, as I said before, between him and Mikel Arteta was already done last season. I don't really know how we recover from that. Uh, Joe Willock joined Newcastle United. It was for around about uh, 20 to 25 million pounds. That fee expected to hit 25 million pounds. Again, if certain clauses are met uh, during his time there. A good bit of business for me. I think we needed to to raise some cash. I think he was one of the few sellable assets that we did have uh, that you could command that sort of money for anyway. Uh, Lucas Torreira has gone to Fiorentina on loan. You know, another loan deal. Frustrating, but Lucas Torreira, for him, the writing's been on the wall with Arsenal for a while. Uh, Willian has left the club by mutual consent. And again, fair play to Willian for accepting uh, that the contract be torn up, essentially, uh, and saving Arsenal a hell of a lot of money. And Reese Nelson um, has uh, has uh, joined Feyenoord on loan. Uh, he was also signed a contract extension before that. So uh, he will come back and have an additional year uh, on the end of his contract. So here we are. 
there we are uh, with the outgoings. With the outgoings, look, it's not been as good as I'd have liked. I'd have liked to see Arsenal sell Eddie Nketiah for money. We know that that deal with Crystal Palace broke down uh, due to him being unable to agree personal terms. Um, you know, a lot more loans than we would have liked. But as I've said repeatedly, the finances on the continent have been hit a lot worse uh, by the COVID pandemic. And they're only really doing those kind of deals between each other. Uh, so that doesn't, you know, that's not going to change when it comes to dealing with Premier League clubs. Yes, you sell to Premier League rivals, you can get a lot more money. That's because they have a lot more money. Um, and so I'm not surprised that we've done so many loan deals. It's not ideal, but you can't sell what nobody wants to buy. And I, I say that over and over again. It's, it's as simple as that, really. In terms of the outgoings, I'm going to give it a a four just because of the sheer volume of loan deals. I would have liked to have seen Arsenal even you know, even drop their asking prices if it meant that we got some of these players off the books permanently because we've essentially kind of kicked the can down the road with a lot of these uh, situations and we're going to have to revisit them again next season. And in many ways, I just wanted to see Arsenal cut ties with a lot of these players um, and, and cut ties for good so that we can move on. Uh, just a quick one. Uh, I just want to pick up this comment from Miss Shane because... Um, you know, this is the kind of thing that, that is going around at the moment that is just is, is causing this kind of, you know, here we go. Michelle says Ryan was available for free, but hey, Arsenal had money to waste. Michelle, Matt Ryan made it abundantly clear that, you know, he, he spoke to Arsenal. Arsenal were more interested in a homegrown goalkeeper, but also Matt Ryan wanted some more guarantees around playing time. He's actually said that. You know, he said that Arsenal did indicate they were looking for a homegrown goalkeeper, but also they couldn't guarantee him the playing time he wanted. He has now gone to Real Sociedad to play as the number one, uh, which makes perfect sense. He's played in Spain before. So why wouldn't that be attractive to Matt Ryan? You know, and, and also, again, let's kind of wait and see how these signings work out before uh, we get onto them too much. I've expressed my concerns about it, but Matt Ryan without Arsenal being in Europe, was going to get very little game time. And uh, so you can understand why maybe he wasn't necessarily 100% set and why the club couldn't meet his expectations and also felt, for other reasons, that actually going with a homegrown goalkeeper um, was uh, was better. Uh, Anwesh says, uh, Iniesta had three to four assists per season. Was he not world class? I won't judge any sign until Christmas. I'll give them a fair chance. Uh, I'll give a fair chance to every new signing to impress. Can't sign a top player without UCL. Good point. Uh, let's see what else uh, we've got here in the chat box. Cywalder um, <laughs> says, uh, why not let the truth get in the way? Why let the truth, sorry, get in the way of a good bit of irrational hyperbole? Good, good one. Love that. Uh, right. So that, those are the, the departures. And as I say, I can't give it a five. I'll have to give it a four. Did I say I'll give it a four? Yeah, I'm going to, if I didn't, I'm changing my mind. I'm going with a four because I feel like we didn't do enough to cut ties with some of these players. We didn't lower our expectations and our asking prices enough to cut our ties with some of these players who have been collecting big salaries and have been a problem for us for a couple of seasons. So um, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. Another element of the transfer window, though, though that people uh, quite often overlook is the new contracts that we've handed out to people. And I think We've done quite well in this department. Obviously, over the summer, Kieran Tierney has signed a new long-term deal, as has Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, both positive signings, in my opinion. So you've got to give Arsenal credit there. Arthur Oconquo signed a new contract too. Uh, a lot of people were positive about that until they saw him in a couple of the friendlies, but I'm not going to judge him uh, on that, I've got to say. Um, so I think overall, you've got to give an eight. Uh, when it comes to the new contracts, I think we've tied down some really, really good talents. We tied down some some other really good talents in, you know, in the months prior to that as well. So fair play to Arsenal in that department. I think they've done a good job of that. You've got to say. Uh, right. That rounds up Arsenal's transfer window. So overall, when I take into consideration the incomings, which I gave a six out of ten. And then I look at the outgoings, which I gave a four out of 10, the middle and the average is the five out of 10. So that is where I'm at on Arsenal's transfer window. I'm grading it as a five out of 10, taking into consideration the players we signed, the players we let go and the players we've tied down to new contracts. Uh, I know some of you will probably add in there uh, the players that we 
that we failed to sell and maybe that could be uh you know maybe that could be um part of it as well uh but for me that's how i'm going to rank it so five out of ten uh for the summer window and you know as i've said before you can't really judge a transfer window until the following summer when you've seen how those players have gotten in this case you might not even be able to judge this window fully until the summer after that because a lot of these players are still developing a lot of these players are still pushing on um you know, and and looking to get to the level that we need them to be at. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Five out of ten overall ranking of this summer transfer window. Right, let's take some of your questions in the live chat before we wrap up this edition of the podcast. Uh, I'm just going to take three or four questions. Uh, and remember, we'll be back later on with the Alex Manninger interview. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that, uh, looking forward to sharing it with you guys uh, and getting your feedback and, and uh, comments on what Alex had to say. Um, while you do that, just a quick reminder, make sure if you haven't already that you have hit the like button. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel if you are new. Uh, we currently have watching us live on YouTube right now over 500 of you but we only have 87 likes on the board. Come on, guys. Let's get that up to 150 uh, or there or thereabouts as soon as possible. It really does help. If you want to go one further by becoming a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description uh, or you can do it by clicking the join button. Don't forget this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, head over to their website. And if you enter our discount code, which is rolling across the bottom of the screen, 90min20, you shall receive free shipping as well as 20% off of your order. Uh, right, let's go over to the questions then. Let's take some of your questions um, from the live chat box. Uh, Inter says, uh, so is that saying Arteta needs another season to prove he's not good enough? No, who said that? Nobody said that. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta is is under immense pressure this season. I said that I've, I'm at the point where I don't even think he's the right man anymore, where I do worry that he is incapable of turning this around. So where you've got that from, I, I don't know. I've not said that. And this is where people need to stop trying to second guess and read between the lines of what I'm saying and actually just take it for what it is on face value. Mikel Arteta is under incredible pressure. He was under incredible pressure before this season started. He started the season poorly. And now, in my opinion, he's got a few games to, to turn it around. And, you know, if he was sacked now, I wouldn't have any complaints because I think you could make the case that he deserves it. But I do think he'll get a few more games. And I think we're going to have to kind of reassess where we're at then. That doesn't mean to say that all of these signings are bad just because Mikel Arteta is falling short in other areas. Because you could have another manager come in, develop these players and take them on to a really high level. So it's uh, it's nothing to do with Arteta's future. Um, some of these signings, they will determine how his future goes. But I won't judge those players on Mikel Arteta is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Michelle says, do you agree Edu and Arteta must be sacked? If things continue in the way they are, then yes, because they're both uh, responsible for where we're at. Um, Said Abdullah says, uh, Harry, why did the club not bring in a, a right back with similar qualities to Kieran Tierney? Uh, because I don't think that's where, um, I, I don't think that's how Mikel Arteta wants to play. And one of the criticisms we've had of Mikel Arteta is we've not really understood the way in which he wants to play. But one of the few things that is very clear is that he wants his right back to do a very specific role. And that role involves tucking in, becoming part of a three when Kieran Tierney bombs forward and stepping into the midfield and into an inverted position. And that is why he's gone for Tommy Asu because he fits uh, that bill quite perfectly. So that's where I'm at um, with the right back thing. That's why he's gone for Tommy Asu, in my opinion. I think in years gone by, we never found the right balance because we did have both fullbacks bombing on all of the time. It's why Bellerin got exposed time and time again. It's why people turned on him, uh, criticised him. For me, I think that, you know, it, it's the right type of signing for what Mikel Arteta wants to do. Now, you can have your opinion on whether that's the right way of going about it. But in terms of what he's doing, at least you can see there's a plan. And at least you can see that he's bringing in players that fit 
into what he wants to do. Armchair Guna says, who says Tommy Asu can't get forward? Who's even watched him play? He can get forward um, and he's very progressive in his passing. Lee Scott alluded to that on that show we did yesterday. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Did a bit of a player profile on uh, Tommy Asu. So it does give, um, he does give us options, but also has the attributes to play in the way that Mikel clearly wants to play. Uh, let's see what else we've got in terms of your questions at Dellinger says that brilliant window, Harry, considering the pandemic, brilliant financially in terms of what we spent. Yeah, agree. And, and bearing in mind how little we brought in, I think that, you know, you've got to be positive or pleasantly surprised by how much money KSC have made available. Uh, he says, I think you should rate this window relative to what other clubs have done and not what you want to do. Yeah, good point. Good way of looking at it. Uh, the modern Guna says, do you think AZ Maitland-Niles could play defensive midfield? I don't see it, man. I, I really don't. I don't see him doing it at the level that we would need him to do it as Arsenal Football Club. But, you know, he clearly wants to do that. It's clearly an issue for him. Give him the chance if you think he deserves it. But I've, I think we've seen so little of him in that position. We couldn't possibly tell. And And based on what we have seen, though, I'm leaning towards the no, he can't side. I, I don't think I'd rather have him in defensive midfield than uh, than Laconga or then Xhaka or then Partey. Would I have him in there maybe ahead of Elneny because he's got some qualities? Possibly. Uh, but again, it's a gamble. It's a risk. Um, and I'm interested to know what it is that him and Arteta have, or, or what the discussion him and Arteta had off the back of him declaring his desire to leave. Uh, what that was all about, how it panned out and what it means for him in the future. Omar says, is Tierney starting to become a passion merchant? Honestly, I'm starting to think that because he's been shocking this season. He hasn't started the season great, Kieran Tierney, but a lot of that has been because we've not been set up right around him, I think, as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's as good as some Arsenal fans make him out to be. That You know, a lot of Arsenal fans make him out to be the Messiah, don't they? I don't think he's at that level, but I think he's a very good fullback um, who unfortunately has never had the opportunity to really push on in the Premier League because he's always been injured. And that's a big, big issue. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, I'm going to take one more. Uh, one more question. Um, I saw one that I wanted to touch on, um, but where's it gone? My chat is uh, is completely up. Well, it's updated and it's moved on. Uh, Nouradine says, Xhaka must be the weakest link in the first 11. Do you agree? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a bit harsh to say, uh, but you guys probably predicted I'd say that because I, I'm one of the few people that doesn't think he's as bad as people make out. I think when he loses his head like he did at, at Man City, then he is a massive weakness. But in terms of his ability, I think he's only a weakness and only the weakest link if we're going to continue to press really high up the pitch. In which case, if that was Mikel's plan all along, you shouldn't have kept him. Uh, you know, you shouldn't have kept him. If you were going to ask him to do that, if you were going to ask him to sit in front of the back four like he did last season, marshal that position, drop into left back when Tierney bombs forward, then fine. I think he's quite suited to that role. And I think it's why he had one of his better seasons last time out. But I do not. Uh, think he is cut out for pressing teams high up the pitch. And if you're going to continue to ask him to do that, then we're going to be continually talking about how bad he is uh, and, and what a weak link he is. And just to kind of uh, to finish up um, on, on the transfer window, I wanted to share with you guys uh, what, you know, the lineup looks a little bit more like now. Uh, and with people coming back, et cetera, et cetera, this is a little bit more like the team that Mikel Arteta is going to be able to work with. You've got the option of Leno or Ramsdale in goal. Tommy Asu comes in at right back. Ben White and Gabriel at centre-back with Kieran Tierney from the left. You could go with either Xhaka or Laconga alongside Partey in midfield. You could play Odegaard or Smith-Rowe in the number 10 position with Saka, Pepe from either flank and Oba or Laka uh, coming in up front. You've also got the likes of Martinelli. You've also got... Um, you know, a lot of players on the bench that, you know, whether Xhaka plays or Lakonga plays, the other one's a sub. You've got Tavares uh, available. You've got a decent goalkeeper in Aaron Ramsdale you can call upon from the bench. So we have got more depth. We have got a better side with these players coming in. The only concern is 
when are we going to have all these players available? You'd hope that after the international break, we'll be in a much better position in that sense. But you've got to think, if I look at this team now, okay, let's say that the, the, the first team of that back four that we expect Arsenal to move forward with, which includes Tierney, Gabriel White and Tomiyasu, Mikel's only had one of those available to him in the last couple of games. That's Kieran Tierney. Gabriel has been unavailable all season thus far. Ben White uh, played the game against Brentford, then picked up COVID, incredibly unfortunate. And now we finally resolved the right-back situation with Tommy Asu. So three of your back four are different. You move into the midfield, we've been without Thomas Partey, our best midfielder, by about a country mile. So Thomas Partey comes in. One half of that duo makes a big, big difference. Odegaard comes in to to play maybe instead of Smith Rowe, maybe alongside him. I think that's an upgrade, gives us another option as well. Uh, and then, you know, we've been without Aubameyang and Lacazette right at the start of the season. And we've got uh, Oba back, Laka is back now too uh, in the Premier League. I know he came on as a sub at Man City, but he was missing the game against Chelsea. So you look at it now and you think that it does look a lot better. It does look a lot more positive. But now that those players are available, given the poor start, you cannot uh, afford to drop points uh, against Norwich. I think you've got to take maximum points from Norwich and Burnley. I think that's so important. I think a, a win in the North London derby would also help Mikel Arteta hugely uh, in terms of um, buying himself a little bit more time. That is a squad and a side that is good enough to compete for the top six. The problem has been that we've not always had those players available and we don't have a good enough manager to cope with those losses. We don't have a manager who has been smart enough to accommodate for that. And um, and that's a big issue. Look, Mikel Arteta has got a big job to do. And if he doesn't turn it around after the international break, he's got to go. Simple as that. Uh, but I do think for all the criticism that's gone his way, and rightly so, we cannot overlook the fact that a lot of these players have been missing. Uh, somebody said it on TV a little while ago that Almost when you're in this position where you're looking to do a lot of business over the summer, uh, whether that be with squad players or, you know, first team players, you don't really know what your squad is going to be until September 1st. And that can be quite difficult. It can be quite difficult to prep for a season with uncertainty around a lot of players. It can be quite difficult uh, to start the campaign with those situations hanging over your head. But now the window is shut. You'd hope that Arsenal can can get a little bit more stability now. Uh, now that the COVID stuff seems to have subsided, fingers crossed, touch wood, uh, we can, you know, we can move forward. But that is a significantly better side to the one that's been available to us so far. And uh, therefore, there is very little room uh, for excuses moving forward. But we shall see. Right. I am going to catch you all a little bit later on. Uh, don't forget, tune in 4.15 p.m. right here on the YouTube channel, uh, premiere of the interview with Alex Manninger. Those of you of around my age bracket will remember him as a bit of a cult hero. If you're a little bit younger, you probably won't. But look up uh, Alex Manninger on YouTube. I'm sure you'll be pleasantly surprised. Also, uh, don't forget to hit that like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you wish to become a member, you can do so by clicking on either the link in the description or the join button. Over 500 of you watching us live right now. Still only 137 likes on the board, though. Come on, let's get that up to over 150 by the time the outro rolls. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your input in the chat box. Thank you to those of you listening via the audio platforms. I'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.